What's up? What's up? What's up? Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. I want to start this off by saying thank you so much. Lynchburg, Tennessee, the most iconic brand in American history. One of the most iconic brands in American history. Jack Daniels Sour Mash Whiskey. I'm holding one in my hand right now, and you're going to understand why in a second. I'm celebrating because life is so fine, especially during these holiday months that make me think of my dad, family, and everything that goes in to live in the most fullest life and making the best versions of ourselves on a daily basis. You're going to hear lyrics tonight that make me think of that. Lyrics that I have to listen to before I lay my little bald head down on my pillow every night to go to sleep. So Jack Daniels, please enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. But thank you, Jack Daniels, for being there for me and our crew and our friends and our family for the good times, the bad times, the high times, the low times, the happy times, the sad times. It's JD. Again, enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. This is This Life Ain't For Everybody. I cannot tell you how excited I am. I am coming at you from the border of California and Oregon, the Northern California, Southern Oregon border. We are at Duck Camp, and we have some country music royalty here. We have an anesthesiologist here, a nurse. I'm going to get his exact profession, what he does, but he is a badass and he knows a lot about a lot, especially wine, whiskey, and the culinary arts of cooking. Then we got Ben Ratliff, one of the finest tour managers out of Music City, USA, but he's originally from Georgia. I'm going to start this off by saying this. We have to adapt in life. As duck hunters, we have to adapt. We have to make sure that if something doesn't go our way, we have to figure out how to solve that problem. This song is called Solving Problems, and it's by the one and only, the great Brent Cobb. Sitting on the front porch on a Sunday afternoon, just me and a buddy who I've known for a few years. We figured since the weather's nice, we might as well soak up the sights of Nashville. No suits and ties around. The conversation covers everything and in between, from Grandpa's health to marrying good girls. All we ain't up to nothing. Just solving all the problems of the world We joke and laugh at the present and past How some things do and some don't laugh Like friends we'll make round here Sometimes, somehow just disappear It's funny too, the two of us The folks back home make such a fuss About the way we're living Day to day, guitars picking. The conversation covers everything and in between. From modern music to Mama tried by Merle. All we ain't up to nothing, just solving all the problems of the world as they come and go. Like us wannabes on music road We're made to just burn out the way Our stars made to glow <laughs> Forgot the chords <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's perfect for that Where Scott Taylor I have played it since March When you sing that song This is the first thing I think of Is Scotch I've had the fine yes, pleasure of meeting Scotch Taylor The last 
probably two and a half years in Nashville. Yeah. Never been with him anywhere else but Nashville. But how cool of a man is he, Brent Cobb? One of the greatest human beings I've ever known in my life. He was my first roommate there in uh, 2008. We didn't know each other prior to it. We met through a mutual friend. We met through a mutual friend in America's Georgia, Jason Jones, who's also a wonderful writer. Uh, and, yeah, we showed up at a pool, and we were the only ones drinking light beer there. And Scotch I was, looking, was drinking? Yeah. Back then, Scotch yeah. was drinking. And I... I needed a place to live. He needed a place to live. And yeah, one of the greatest people. I didn't like him when we lived together, but uh, I love him now. You love him now. So when it comes to the art of songwriting, I've heard rumors that it's hard to get in a room with you. I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that you're pretty picky. Like, why does Scott, does Scotch have a, a, a invite at all times, an exclusive invite? Or is that rumor, Nolan Voy, like you can get in the room with Brent Cobb or you really are picky of who you write songs with? I'm not picky at all. I, I'm, I will write with your grandma. I don't care. But I think that some people may perceive me as a, a difficult co-write, but it's all in their own head and it's, I just get quiet and start, you know, I have a direction and it's hard to maybe articulate sometimes, but do you, I want to say this real quick is that we're literally, this is cool as heck because we are coming at you live from a camp in the Western United States. And we have Ben Ratliff, who is a good buddy of mine who I was introduced to by some mutual friends in Nashville. And then I end up meeting Brent Cobb through that same network of friends that pretty much are, they hail from the state of Georgia. Some of them moved to Nashville. Some of them stayed. Some of them moved back to Georgia. And we also have tonight, Mr. Sean Ratford, who works in the medical field. He's been really helping me this week with my back because I tried to be Clark Kent Superman in the gym, like an idiot at 46 years old and probably shouldn't have done that. But I want to talk to you, Sean, a little bit about you've been referred to this week as Brent Cobb's best friend. Brent even went as far as saying, like, Sean was that guy that was his, I don't know, of lack of better terms, his cheerleader. Like, hey, when Brent's singing, y'all shut the heck up and listen to this man's lyrics, listen to what he's doing. Is it, is it one of those things to where you always took pride just because he was your friend or it's because those songs and those lyrics, you were just like, good God, like, this is life. Man, it's we've been friends a long time, uh, I think. Five years old, six years old. Yeah, six years and old. And shortly, shortly after that, you know, listening to his dad play and Brent getting into guitars and, and all that stuff, started writing these songs. We wrote this life kind of as we went, a, a big life. You know, we had a great time growing up, and Brent always took it in. And a month later down the road, he'd have some songs written, he'd have some words down, and it would come out. And it just, it was so inspiring to me because we spent so much time together. So I knew the words kind of as he was writing them, what he was, what he was meaning, you know what I mean? So it, it hit me just like it hit him. It was, it was just special time growing up, you know, having, having a good time together. And, man, we did it, man. We had a good time I, growing up. I can up. remember you shutting down parties sometimes. Oh, on, yeah. On we had, when you go, when, you know, it would be a few of us hanging out. And you, that's what I was telling Chad earlier is that you'd be like, hey, Everybody shut the up. <laughs> listen to it's what's time going to listen. Right it's time to listen. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. So we've had a good time for but sure. But you talk about like lyrics and words, and there's a lot of songwriters that have 
made that their profession. There's a lot of songs out there that it blows me away about music. Like, can there really be another guitar lick? Can there really be another song that hits you in the, in the gut, right? Ben, when you, you, you're in Nashville, you work on music row on 16th and 17th Avenue, you work in publishing, you work in tour managing. There is something different about the way Brent Cobb puts words together. Is this fair, fair to say? Yeah, it's just something that just makes you, it just captivates you and makes you listen. Like you just, I mean, I mean, everybody listen, that listens to the radio hears songs every day, all day long. Um, and then there's, but there's certain songs that has that thing that just makes you go, what the hell's that? And, and Brent's got that. He's got it. Hey, and I appreciate that. This this whole episode is gonna freak me out because I'm sitting right here. A lot of times you do this when I ain't around. Good <laughs> guess. And now here I am. But Ben, you, I know that same feeling. I mean, how many songs do we listen to on Music Row a day in the line of work that we do? Yeah. Well, you probably listen to a hundred songs in a good day. Of songs on the road, and you know the special thing, yeah. I, and I hear the same thing. Not just I ain't tooting my horn. I'm just yeah. saying there is a special thing you can hear when it's. Well, what was the song yesterday that came on from Adam Hood, and you said mm. that should have been a number one blowout hit? What was it? Oh, you remember? Uh, God, please help it me. It takes a whole, a whole lot, lot of hard yes. work to, to make, make it look easy. easy. That's a man. That's that has that special. You know, when you hear, you feel like you've heard it for a hundred years. You know, it takes a whole lot of hard. Is that the one that makes it look that easy? That you guys both looked work. at each other and said, "That should be a hit." So that's one of those magic songs. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. When you when you sit down to write a song like that, like I want to ask you this: like you met Michael McVeigh this week, mm. he wants you to sing like. In the duck blind, he wants you to sing when you're taking a piss in the, in the, pride, in the men's room. He wants you to just keep singing, right? Does it weird you out when you see a grown man that's in his 50s react that way to what you're doing? Or does that make you feel like, man, this has all been worth it? Because you're in a completely different place where you grew up. You're in a completely different place in Music Row. You have a big fan base in places like Montana and Washington and, and Oregon. You travel, you tour here. You get to a little tiny duck camp like this in Merrill, Oregon, right on the California border. What does that make you feel like as far as when a fifty uh, mid-50s guy, he's 54 years old, when he reacts that way to your music, what does that make you feel like inside? Because I'm a good duck hunter in my opinion, but sure. Michael McVeigh's like going... He's not going, Chad, keep blowing that duck call. Chad, keep oh, doing this. Man. He like doesn't give a shit if I'm it, here or not, it, right, it, after he met it you. It honestly, if I'm being real, it makes me feel like I think Michael's a genuine person. But I, I do feel like it, it it freaks me out. And when I say it freaks me out, it freaks me out because I feel like people who do what y'all do for a living, who is y'all are working, man. Y'all are really working. And when you go in and you have somebody like me who makes a living writing songs the last 15 years of my life, it feels very understated. <laughs> and, uh, and so I feel like that the people that are running the show, like Michael or you or your brother Clay or Rocky or anybody out here doing some real things, I feel like you'd have to be going, this little son of a <laughs> what is this little son of a bitch? What does he know? He, you know, he's making songs up for a living. He's making things up, and I am. And uh, I, it feels a little, you know, it doesn't. 
I can't imagine that some, somebody, anybody would care. And it is awesome when anybody does. Yeah, I think that I've heard Mike talk about, like other musicians I talked about bringing up here, like compared to what you do. It's like when you hear it, this is, the, here's the deal, Ben. When you hear it, it's over. You're hooked. But it's about hearing it. Like you got to get it out there. Like it's not mainstream radio. Brent Cobb music should be heard by everybody. If you hear, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but if you hear Shine On, Rainy Day, or if you hear Digging Holes, or if you hear Morning's Gonna Come, like that's music to me. The problem is, is that now with today's format and the way that we get our content, we do have the ability to hear it, but there's still that huge population that thinks that country is what they hear on top 40 country or commercial country radio. Right. Mm -hmm. When people hear a Brent Cobb song, they're like, where do I get that? Where do I get more? I'm, I don't, I don't sit there and blow them up because I need anything. I don't care if I ever get anything out of the Brent Cobb career. I think about it as like, people need to hear this music because it's real. And you've been saying it since you were, you know, in yeah, your man. teens when he first wrote a song. Felt it when we were kids. And Brent uh, even, you know, never wanted to be a, an artist at one point in his life. That kind of changed uh -huh. later in life. But I, I remember us know. being, <laughs> I remember us being kids and me being, man, you just got to go for it. And he's like, nah, you I'm just going to write a songwriter. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to go. You got to drink. You got to give it a shot. And thanks, thankfully he's done it. So. Sean was the only one. <clears throat> Seriously, you were the only one that was always like, nope, you got to do it. No, nope, <laughs> yeah, I, do I it. steered you back there, in. I was there are some, up, there are a bunch of songwriters though that have, fell into that or fit into that and mm. been fine with it. Like you think about Dean Dillon, like everybody hears a George Strait song and they're like, yeah, you know, the chair, mm. the freaking chair. Well, yeah, nobody man. really knows who Dean Dillon is unless you dissect the career of George Strait or country music to understand what a songwriter really is. There's other people. And I, yeah. I, I mean, if I really wanted to stop and think, but Dean Dillon's the first one that comes to mind. Is that what you wanted to be Brent was just like behind the scenes and just let everybody else tell the stories that you're writing. I think so. I think the way I've been able to do it, even though I didn't, I didn't really have a projection of the future where I'm at right now is exactly where I hoped I would be, which is I write songs for other people. I'm not, all over the place i'm not a superstar as an artist but i make my own albums at the same time i have a lot of respect from everybody in the business uh i'm out here duck hunting with you i just where i'm at it's a perfect mix exactly perfect where i mix always hoped i would it, be. What it was be i make a good living doing it i don't make a crazy living but it's it's exactly where i hope to i can go to the grocery store and nobody knows who the heck i am which is awesome but i I've made a living at it for 15 years. This is exactly where I'd want to be. So when you say it's exactly where you want to be, Brent Cobb, but you also have been on the stage with the who's who. When Chris Stapleton says, Brent, come on back out here, and the crowd goes crazy because you just opened up the show with him and Marty Stewart, and then he says one of his big hits, like might as well get stoned, which was on traveler album. Mm -hmm. And he says, Brent Cobb's going to do this song with me. And you look out there through that horizon mm -hmm. of let's say 15 to 17, 20,000 people, depending mm -hmm. on if it's an amphitheater stadium, whatever sure. you don't stop and think 
man, I want this every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday when for my career, I don't want to, I, I want them to be cheering my name when it comes up to this? I really don't. All I ever think about is just I want to make sure I can make a happy living, comfortable living with my family. But I don't have, I should be way more driven than I am. And I'm just not. I just ain't built that way. I'm lazy. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard ramblings that, that I think Stapleton, I heard the rumor. It might be a rumor, Ben. You might know this. Did you just put gloves on in this room? <laughs> you know why you, you could, they hey, 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 Clay, just, every time hey, I see Clay walking put, around, I get colder. And they're not That's little, so they're they're not little gardening gloves. You know why you cold? Oh, man. I got a sneaking suspicion. You know why you cold, Ben? You know why you cold, Ben? Um... <laughs> I've heard people say, though, that you will go into the Songwriting Hall of Fame before Chris Stapleton does. This might be a rumor, and I know oh, that you're going to play it Jesus. down. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's, Chris... that's too political. There's no way to know who's going to go. I Who mean, knows? But do you Hank, look, Hank at, do you look just... at your songwriting on that level, Brent Cobb? Because your songwriting's different. I believe in my songwriting, yes. I would hope that it would be worthy of that. But I also know the politics that go into that kind of stuff, and so... You know, I know, and, you know, I would, I am, I, my songs are good enough. Of course, I believe in myself that much. But I know things get tricky <laughs> in the business. So, Sean, Hank Jr. just got inducted into that. And he's 70. Dude, yeah, and have you nuts. ever listened to uh-huh. Hank Jr. songs? Oh, Hank Jr. is his songwriting, the his the way he writes songs, or why we why the country music industry it is he did it. I mean he he's the dude. He set the whole foundation. He set the whole foundation. It's genius. It's rural. It's poetic. It's hooky. It's a hit, but it also has something to say. Hank Jr. just got inducted into that. When you look at the way that people are listening to their music today, Brent Cobb, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, when I was growing up, it was you would go to Warehouse Records and Tapes or Kmart, and you would buy a cassette or a vinyl. You would go home and watch MTV rap, I mean, Friday night videos, (laughs) and then MTV came, and I would watch MTV raps, and I would watch all the videos that came on. Mm. I was into hip-hop because I got to know the artists. There right there was the Beastie Boys right in front of me in 1986. They were singing Paul Revere. And then I would be able to go open a vinyl and read the the notes, the liner notes, and say the acknowledgments and thank you to this guy. The songwriters. I I knew who was writing the ACDC songs or the Guns N' Roses songs or the Quiet Riot songs. There was like this... This this pl- this pl- this time that you could walk into a record store and like just lose yourself in there, right? Yes, sir. Now you have songs that that you're you're all about the old school. You're all about old shit. You're all about your grandpa and your grandma and mm-hmm. your dad and your mom. Do you wish that your music was coming up in a different time than t- 2010 to 2020? Do you ever sit back and go, "Gosh, dang it, I wish yeah. I was in the 70s or the 60s or I the abso- 80s"? Absolutely. Uh, and the first album I did in 2006, we almost caught the tail end of it. Like it was almost, people still were buying CDs, you know, they were still buying whole albums to look at liner notes, you know, and right after that, shortly thereafter, two years after that, it, that all ceased to exist. Yes, I wish 
that if I man, if I would have been writing this, I've had forty six cuts on, if not all platinum selling uh, mainstream country albums, most of them, and if I was a, a songwriter in the nineties with the amount of cuts that I've had on mainstream albums, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd be really rich. <laughs> oh, so you're saying that you wouldn't come to our duck camp if you're, no, I'm just, no, I'd still I know what you're saying. saying. I know you're saying, but, but I didn't mean 46 it album cuts, yes, 46. Sir. And what does it take to get a cut? Like you get so what you're saying, I want to I want to make sure that everybody understands what a cut is. If Luke Bryan's going to put out a record, there's going to be somewhere between ten and a dozen songs on that record, right, Ben? Roughly. So Luke will either write those songs himself, or he'll go and people will. Is it correct to say or fair to say shop a song to Luke Bryan? Pitch it. Pitch a song. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like they get songs pitched to them, but most most. I mean, Luke's a writer, and so, I mean, if they write themselves and they co-write, um, but yeah, I mean, they get, a lot of a lot of guys get songs pitched to them every so week. So a cut is on the album, but a single is if they take that cut from that album and push it to radio? That's right. Yes. A single goes to radio. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had that? Never. You've no. never had one of those 46 cuts go to radio? Never. Is he right, Ben? Other than six feet apart, yeah, six feet six apart. Feet apart but it, but it, 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 it there was no, there was no, there was no. Radio started picking it up itself, but there was no label promotion behind yeah, it. It was, but that's the only one that could be single. considered a promoted single. Okay, so on the new Luke Bryan album, you have a cut on there that's one of the like it's the best song on the album. Like it might, well, obviously I'm biased and you're going to say whatever, but will that become a single or do you even know, or is it just like the, we, the that's his whole team that says, okay, we want to push. How do you, how do they pick a single? I have no idea, but I have a sneaky suspicion <laughs> that, that, that it's uh, also super political and you know, it's, it's not, and this is not Luke exclusive. I just think this is the way the industry works that the larger the company and the more hands in each other's pockets they have, the better your odds are of getting a single. The better your odds are. So mm. with the way that radio is today, in your opinion, does it hold water anymore to have a number one hit? Oh, yes. Yeah, well, you, what do you just mean as, as far as, is being able to is it lucrative it. to have a number one hit? Absolutely. For whatever reason, it still is. And that's a, that's a whole other uh, conversation. Where does that money come from? I mean, is there that many ads to radio stations? Right. I don't know. But my question it's is, is they, it's funny you say that. Is there that much advertisement going on, Sean? You're a businessman. You understand business and revenue. It seems like there's a new number one hit every three days. It just seems like they push them through so fast. Well, it's every now. week. Well, there's a new one every week. Mm -hmm. But it used to be to where like somebody would top oh, yeah, the charts for multiple way. weeks yeah. in a row. It was always a long. Success. A multiple mm. number one is very rare these days. Why? Mm. Why? I, mean, I don't have a clue. Because it's dying. It's dying. That's why. But there were songs in our history of country music or rock and roll music where a song stayed at the top of the charts for several, several weeks. And now it's like, 
we just got to get this next guy there because it's is it political or is it just a, is it just how much money is behind a song brent is it because there's investment behind a song that gets it there i think it's both I think when a label is breaking an artist, yes, I think that they put a lot of money to break that artist and it can become a smash single, which they need to help to help maybe bring them more ticket sales and live shows. Thank you, Mr. Clay. Uh, and then, uh, but then nowadays with the internet, things do go viral. And a lot of that stuff, though, is also politically motivated and financially motivated. There are nowadays, so the people that own those platforms are able to get their, you know, their pockets greased as well. You know, there's a, it's all, it's all money, man. It's anything you do. You know how this, you know how business works, too. It's all pockets getting lined. It's all elbows getting rubbed. It's relationships. And I ain't got the money to, to pay for a single. <laughs> so if Sean and I went and got, we talked to my uncle Rocky over here with the pinky finger, the the, the pinky ring, and we said, Rock, we need a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. And he said, Well, for what? And I said, Brent's got this new song. It's badass. We're we gonna run it, it up the charts. So we could go to who do we give that money to? Exactly. I don't know. You would have to pick a radio. I don't promotion. even think that would get you very far either. You, yeah, 125 no. grand on one no. song? Really? You'd, you'd have to. That's that's pretty low grade. But you would have to pick a a rodeo. I know. I know. It sounds funny. Yeah. It sounds like I'm pitching. A, hey, Rocky. After we get done with this podcast, we need more money. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it really. But it it, it really is in that way though. Like, what is that number, maybe? It's 500 grand will get you if you're a Good independent. Gracious. If you're an independent, then you hire an independent radio promotion staff, and you don't have a label behind you, a major label. It would probably be 500 grand because the majors have their own uh, radio promotion staffs that they've already developed these relationships over years and years and years of developing these relationships. They're not going to charge as much money to that major label because everybody's getting a kickback at this point, right? And so if I'm an independent coming in and I hire this independent staff, why in the world would they listen to my independent staff if there wasn't, and it's real, it's payola, man. If there wasn't payola to be spread around, it's illegal to do that. But that's exactly, it's never changed since So since that money is going to go to... There, there's traditional radio that's AM, FM. We're getting deep right here. Well, I'm just way. trying to figure out because like, if I had the money to do it, I would say I want to invest in one of these songs because I see an ROI. I see a return on Brent's career. Like, But no. if you're telling me that there's no way that we're going – because if we get one of your songs to top 10 or top number one hit, or which it should be Grammy because you are a bad mother, you know what, Ducker. Mother, mother Ducker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you – you're going to sell more tickets. You're going to sell more merch. So if Rocky's investment has the ability to earn that ROI based on the beer sales and the t-shirt sales and this the parking all, sales. This is all hypothetical. Hypothetical. Way, right? But I'm just saying, do we go and pay Sirius XM? <laughs> do we pay Sirius XM, Brent? Well, you, Brent? You're basically we, starting a record label at that but point. But who do we pay? I want to know who we give that money to. Do you we, would give it to a radio promotion staff. But don't we For, have to give it to Sirius XM or Spotify? You, you, you would give it to radio promotion, and radio they, promos who would spread <laughs> their portion to whatever 
the, outlets, the, the, the power to be, yeah. whatever. And then you would have to use a portion of that also to go to uh, public publicity to get it. That gets you into all of these news articles, and that gets you also. We haven't even talked about campaigning for a Grammy, which is it's all campaigned, it's all political, it's but, all it's all political. So does that okay. it, would that even guarantee it though? No. It so if not, we just come no. up with a boatload of money. Mm-hmm. Seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and get did all right. the right and things. And you did every, still everything right. The only thing that can guarantee, and it won't guarantee you a Grammy or anything like that. But the only thing that can guarantee you success long term, or short term, is uh, is if it catches on with the fans. If it catches on with people listening, and people get to hear it, yeah. And it really, and they go, "This is good." That's the only thing that guarantees you any kind well, of long Because they start buying tickets and T-shirts and all okay, that Okay, so let, let's put that in the perspective of a career. <clears throat> Stapleton, who sells out arenas now, is that fair to say? Sure. He's had one number one hit that mm-hmm. he sings. He's written several mm-hmm. for other artists. Mm-hmm. When he went on to that award show that night with Timberlake and did those two songs, is that what boosted him? And if so, are you saying that you want radio because it pushes what Chris is doing now and selling out those stadiums, or you don't need it because Chris doesn't really have radio. How is Chris Stapleton doing it? Well, he got exposed on that CMA award show with Justin Timberlake majorly, and he was very good. And it was the first time a lot of those viewers or listeners have seen anything like that. That was like, this dude's for real, man. I mean, you felt it in your heart when you saw that performance. It floored you. I don't care who you were. Obviously, all across the country, he was able to get that. And then, because it was so good, it lasts so long, he didn't have to follow it up with anything on radio. It was that good. But there's probably more to the story. I don't know if we should talk about it on the podcast. (laughs) Okay, we don't need to talk about it. I just, it blows my mind that somebody with Chris's talent and then his stardom, he's become a star. Absolutely. Chris probably can't go into a store anymore, right? No. He's very recognizable with his hair and his hat and all that. Yes, sir. But he still doesn't have the support of Music City, in my opinion. It's weird. But he doesn't need it now. That's what I was talking about. That's the only factor that if you can get the fans' attention... That's what I was saying. You can pay all the money in the world you want, and a lot of labels do. They waste a lot of money on these artists that have two, three, four, five, six number ones, and they can still barely pack out a 10,000-seater because it never resonated with the fans. That's, that's the – if you can tap that – if you can tap into that and you can resonate with the fans like Chris did one time, and it's good, and it resonates with them, it'll last forever. All right, we're changing. We're going to change lanes because I, 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 I don't... It's fascinating, it's, though. It's, 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 it's crazy, so man. deep to me. The, the music business is so fascinating to me because there's so many different elements that you can... Like what you just said, I could name five artists right now that have at least five number one hits that maybe can sell 5,000 tickets totally. to a show. Yep. Chris has one, yep. and he'll sell out a football stadium. Exactly. 
It's a weird phenomenon there. It is. It's, but it's, it's, the music business is just it's just different. There's so many different levels of it. Well, and, and there's and there's a major component of it that that nobody can def, define. That's that's the magic of of you know of capturing a market. If you and who you can't define that. It just happens or it doesn't happen. You can try all you want, but if you can capture a market, Chris did. You got them forever. You know. You have them. Yeah. When you when you look at your body of work. Your first two albums, or your your mainstream albums, which were Shine on Rainy Day and then Province Canyon. And I want you to pipe in on this, Sean, because this was a weird deal to me when I talked to Brent when he was going into the studio to record his new album, which is heavily acclaimed. If you guys have and girls have not seen the critics and what they or read what the critics are saying about keep them on their toes, it's an, a masterpiece. But it was not produced by the one and only Dave Cobb, who is Chris Stapleton and Jason Isbell. And he just did, I mean, he, he just My did, last two. he, he yeah. just did your last two. He just did Lucas Nelson's first, uh, a new album. Were you, what did you think when you heard that Sean and Ben, I want you to do you know, because when he told me that, I'm like, why are you trying to fix something that's nowhere near broken? You have artists that would literally give their left leg to be in that studio. Is that fair to say, Ben? To be in the studio with, oh, yeah, with, with mean, Dave yeah. Cobb. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and Brent is saying, I love my cousin, but yep. I'm going to go produce my own shit. Like, is that crazy to both of you when you heard that? It was uh, not even unexpected. Really? <laughs> same way. I not feel the same way, yeah. I, I, I know what you're saying, and, but Brent's his own man. And this, this thing may or may not, I've got theories in my own head that we won't go into, but it, you know, it's going to happen just the way it's supposed to or it won't happen at all straight and that up. is the whole life of my best friend brent cop that's the way it's gonna be period in the story not even a not even a question so not even like is this the right thing not even a juggle just that's the way it is and so this thing is a, the most beautiful sunrise of what i think is to coming you know this. Describe, this whole old buddy, define that what you're saying, please. This, this old buddy records coming out, and this him coming away. Not saying anything about you know moving away from Dave and all that stuff, but Brent taking on this new role, producing that record. It's going to be the newest era of this. It's, it, it's it, I think it's just going to be it's going to be great because it's going to be organic. It's going to be the way he wanted it. You know, straight to the point. Ben, tell me what it's you you had to, you had to have went. Are you nuts? What you had to have said? Are you I, nuts? I really, he... I didn't at all. Um, Neither because... one of these dudes. Yeah, that's funny that you would ask them that because y'all know <laughs> probably me. bad yeah. audience ask that. But and 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 we, you know, we talked through the whole thing. And you're like, I'm gonna do it with this guy, and he did this record, and I'm like, oh, cool. I've never heard of that record, but whatever. I mean, I'm sure it's gonna be great. And then when I got, and then he kind of like oh, it's gonna be kind of this way or that way or whatever. And everything he said was spot on, and it's awesome. I mean, it's just can, badass. Can you pick a favorite track, Ben, on the new one? I'm going with number eight, so you guys don't taint my opinion. Number eight. <laughs> that what? song is called... Uh, Dust Under My Road. No, no. When, oh, but when, oh, you, when you go. When you go. Yeah. Like, that's mm. unlike any Brent Cobb song. Is that one that you play live yet? 
Yeah, I did it in the night of the release. I did one show this year, which was in uh, Athens, and we played at uh, Eddie's Attic, and I I played for a little bitty socially distanced crowd. It was like 35 people. And uh, I did that song, and I went from that song on the fly. I went into, I got to run to keep from hiding, Midnight Rider. Ooh. It was so cool, man. Yeah, I do it. Can you do a little bit of it right now? Do you know yeah, enough man. of it? This song right here, when I heard this, Sean, when I heard this on the new album, it went on repeat for two days. Straight up. This is the best song on the I album, in my so opinion. Often. I get a new song. I'll get Brent. So what's the sound files he sends me? What's that name of that thing? SoundCloud. SoundCloud. I get those. And it just... If it's Chris Knight or Brent Cobb, it's on repeat yeah, in my truck. And a lot of Adam Hood, too. Like, I'll just listen to four or five songs at a time. I have to because, like, you know, we've been friends for so long. But, like, you know, the early years, I was living those lyrics. But then now I have to, like, sit back, get into it, and I can pick out where his mind was at and just kind of feel it. And I want to know what's up. I want to know the backstory. I want to know every you know every nuance that that's not there and so i just like you said just hit on repeat and stuff this comes to me man this song is killer right here what's the foundation of the stance you're taking solid grand old rock and roll you all fast needle off at the station can't take it with you when you go you know can't take it when you go We all belled up at the same table Carrying on and eating crow So pass the gravy and mashed potatoes Call it chicken if you don't know But you know can't take it when you go You know Can't take it when you go I got to run To keep from hiding And I'm But that 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 number eight on that record, and again, I'm I'm a rookie music guy, but it is so unlike every other track on the record. Do you do this intentionally, or am I off by saying that? Because you got you got the 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 shut up and sing. You got keep on the toes. You got the world is in. You got Dustin and my yes, and they, they're like they're 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 unreal. But this one like hits you like a like you're trying to like get a little influence of what we're you're trying, saying we're trying to get to the meat uh is it different than the rest of the tracks on there of course but i do that on every album i did it on every album i've ever made my dad when i played him keep him on their toes album 
the roughs. When I first got the first roughs my back, um, he said on that song, he said, man, you always got a dark horse, don't you? And he wasn't that crazy <laughs> about that song. And now he loves it. But I've done it on every every album. Uh, no Place Left to Leave album in 2006, the dark horse was Black Creek. Yeah. On Shine on Rainy Day, the dark horse was Black Crow. Yeah. On and and uh, let the rain come down. On the last album, the dark horse was uh, High in the Country. And then on this album, it is that song. How does High in the Country get defined as the dark horse when you have it, songs on Providence Canyon such as The Morning's Gonna Come and even an elevated dark horse, in my opinion, of the Ain't a Road Too Long? But they're not dark horses in in comparison to musical style. Mu- uh, stylistically, those that you just named aren't that dark compared to the rest of the album. But, but the whole album is like... Oh shit, I can't do it right now. Anyway, they're they're like happy kind of, you know, they're funky, but they're yeah, all happy. But so that 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 high in the country is. Oh yeah. You know, it's a dark. Oh yeah. No other song on that album feels that way. Did your dad say anything about that one back in the day? Same. He said the same kind of thing. Wasn't real high on it at the beginning. But it's a dark horse for that album, you know, and and I always like to do that because I'm not just one. I'm not just singer songwriter Brent Cobb. He's always happy singing about South Georgia. Mm-hmm. Although a lot of people like to say that about me, I don't think they understand my. I don't even understand my psyche, but so I can't expect them to either. But I think that they. They go, oh, this is just old South Georgia boy singing about South Georgia, you know, and and that's the way it comes out, which is fine. That's the way I want it to come out on the surface, but there's a deeper, always a deeper current under the surface. Is there a deeper current? I know that we're running out of time. I know that we got a lot of life left to live tonight. Got a great dinner, getting ready to eat. Brent Cobb, we're getting ready to eat wild ducks that you and your boy Sean we shot. We are eating ducks again tonight. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, yeah, That's man. wonderful news. Widgeons and Sprig. <laughs> may not be close to that stroganoff you cooked last night. I don't know. Uh, boy, that stroganoff was something. Did y'all like that stroganoff? Come on. Rocky, did you like that stroganoff last night? That's a mm. little, little gravy on that touch. Um, this album... Is it deeper than the last two albums, or is it? Because you always say you have a dark horse. Is this a dark horse album mm. compared to your first three? That's a good question. Is keep them on their toes. Your is this going to be like your cornerstone of like that's who's going to define Brent Cobb? Because I'm going to be honest with you, the song that defines you to me is Shine. Mm-hmm. When I hear that, I cry. Which that song could have went on this this album, this album. and I was just going to say that. Yeah. But is this the definition of Brent Cobb with "Keep Them on Their Toes," with the way you're saying the things that you're saying? Because there's a lot of shit being said on this I th- album. I think it's a listener's opinion, um, but every album I have made, starting with "Shine On," the last three albums I've made, have all been what 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 I leave behind to my kids. 
So Shine on Rainy Day was, this is where Daddy comes from. Country Bound, you know, south of Atlanta. Uh, all of that, solving problems. This is where Daddy comes from. Um, Providence Canyon was, this is how Daddy feels about things, you know. This is King of Alabama. You got a heart. Here's a story of a friend of mine. Or uh, uh, any. Uh, Morning's Prov- Gonna Come was about a friend of yours. Providence Canyon. Well, Morning's Gonna Come was about who Daddy was. You know, this is who Daddy was. Daddy Daddy liked people from, yeah, totally. Morning's Gonna Come was about Rambo back home. You know, it's telling stories, letting, Daddy, letting my kids know who Daddy was. And then this album, Keep Them On Their Toes, is. This is what Daddy thinks about things. This is where where Daddy's head is and his heart is. And I don't know if that means just go make it a a dark horse album, but I know that if I died shortly after this album came out, again, like every album, my kids could grow up from six and 18 months and know who I was, who their daddy was, which is my ultimate goal for every album I put out. At one time, Brent Cobb, I don't know if it was during the tenure of our friendship or if I even personally heard you say this or just heard somebody say that you said this, but you were so surprised that people reacted the way they did to your first album, which I consider Shine on Rainy Day because that's where I started following your anthology. That was the first uh, first major label Major label with Dave Cobb. You were so surprised by the reaction to people. You thought you were just going to make that and be done, and you were fine with that. And then all of a sudden, here comes Providence Canyon, and then here comes Keep Them On Their Toes. At this point in your career, at 33 years old, and one of the top songwriters in the country, are you set now of being able to tell me we're going to get more of Brent Cobb every year we're going to get an album every year every two years is this what we're is this what you're doing now you've been a songwriter singer not a singer songwriter you define yourself as a songwriter singer for the last 15 years that's a decade and a half yes sir are we going to get more Brent Cobb consistently through albums and vinyls and cuts and songs that you were personally going to sing yourself until I die or people stop giving me money to making them, <laughs> then that is what I, that's all I'm here to do on this earth. Is, that's what I do. So until I can't do it anymore or I die, which is, I guess, the same thing, then, yeah, we'll always make, that's what I do. I will always make albums. Do you, are you a nerd when it comes to songwriting, meaning, do you meet somebody like Rocky or Mike McVeigh or my brother Clay? I know you know these two very well and Sean and Ben, but do you go on your, because I see you lay down on your bed once in a while and just get your phone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people could assume that you're just playing Tetris or whatever games Brent Cobb has on his phone or you're, Mario or you're story. ringing up, you're <laughs> ringing up a little bit of that uh, Instagram or that Facebook or that MySpace or whatever you're on social media wise. Are you sitting there taking notes on Rocky Merlo of like, man, I met this Italian guy that farms and he's got these nuts and he loves duck hunting. Do you, do you sit there and, and nerd out at night and come up with ideas and then go back to that library to, to, to write your songs at a later date? Oh, the world may never know. <laughs> so you don't take notes on I'm Rocky Merlo? Say no. You <laughs> say no? I'd say no. Perhaps I do. Perhaps yeah, I don't. But maybe you do. So you don't write ideas down for your songs? I, I will not reveal this. 
Is it this much of a science, the Brent Carb the Brent Cobb songwriting? I think it would be just it it'd be if I said yes, then it would be like, Oh, he's over there writing songs every time you see me on my phone. So I don't know. I don't wanna say. Maybe well, I do, maybe I don't. I feel well, like there's a thing between creatives that every day in life there's something that's gonna come up that's gonna strike a nerve and go, it, I need to remember that. It's it's kinda like Ty or Tyson over you know, when they're recording all of us. And you want everybody to act normal like the camera isn't around. So if you know you have a songwriter in the bunch and you think I'm sitting over there writing notes about you, that's going to affect the way you're going to act in a situation. So why would I reveal that to you? You know, I'm just will on, you at least tell I'm me, just on Facebook. Over will there, you at man. least tell me that you've gotten some inspiration from that hat you're wearing that Rocky gave us? <laughs> <laughs> I've, this When I first saw this hat, it was it was it, it took me back to. Uh, childhood, man. I don't even know why. I guess because I thought it was Daffy Duck. <laughs> and uh, man, we and Sean used to collect trucker hats like yeah. since we were 15 years old. And, and what's uh, crazy about that hat is not an hour later he smashes his first Drake <laughs> pintail and his first Drake, Drake mallet smashed him and makes the hat just come alive he's, he's wearing the hat now let's, he can make it man. let's fly together with let's the fly together I'll, just beat him down there's so much about this whole trip and just sitting here right now everything always plays a role into being creative just with your show as it is with your show everything is always creative you may not know it right when it's happening but it comes out later when you're editing and you go we're trying to get this story like this oh man this happened that would be perfect for this story it's the same way with with songwriting it's the same exact thing this songbook will absolutely yeah will absolutely play a key role in some kind of several songs i'll write i think i think what you do is i'm going to end it like this I know that you know how I feel about you. You you signed for my birthday this year. You sent me a signed vinyl of "Keep Them on Their Toes," and you said, "Belding, you already know that I love you more than groceries." Mm-hmm. Like that shit's just cool. Those words right there to me. But I stole that from Sean. You stole that from Sean. Yeah, Sean used to tell I, people. He used to say, "I love you more than groceries." And I say, think that's an old school saying. I hear it somewhere. You don't hear that out west. In, it's Sean somewhere from you, the family. You something. created it. I stole I it from him. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to do this for me. Rocky's a very emotional person. Rocky's one of my best friends. Rocky lost his dad at a young age, just like I did. Mm-hmm. He was very close with his dad. His dad, Harry, was a very big trailblazer, influencer of waterfowl, habitat, conservation, family, friends, enjoying life, living life the right way in this part of California, a little bit south of here in the Chico Valley. Um, when I hear Shine... I think that it reflects every feeling that the body is supposed to feel Mm. on a given day. Have you ever heard that, Sean? Like, your body is supposed to feel that way. And I feel that when I hear the words. They strike me. Like, they strike me down. Like, wow. Yeah, man, me too. Does does that that song hit you, right? It it does it, man. It's, It's one of those songs to where the chord progression is one thing. It sounds beautiful. But the lyrics... And I'm going to say this, like the first verse is 
it's probably my favorite verse in music and i'm a huge i'm a huge songwriter guy like i love listening or or breaking down songs like how did axel write patience how did how did sammy hagar write this or whatever like but when i listen to that song i'm just like blown away by where it takes me and i think that if you put people into a lab rat situation this is going to sound weird brant but you got to study their brain waves like you do on a CPAP machine for snoring or what the brain's doing when you snore too much or shutting down for oxygen or air. I think that if there was a humanistic b- ability to test the human brain, Sean, of what humans feel when that song comes on, <laughs> wouldn't that be a cool study? Like, they wow. do that, man. They like, do that all would, kind of weird stuff. That would be a cool study of like yeah. what the brain goes. Where do I travel to when I hear that song? Mm-hmm. When I hear Shine... This is what, like, when I hear Rocky talk about his dad or his family, when I hear the words of Shine, it makes me go, this life is so special. Mm. And I think that's what Shine on Rainy Day means is that it doesn't let you forget where you come from and what you're supposed to be feeling when you wake up every morning. There's Mm. a way. And Brent has always told me, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be depressed. I write songs when I'm high. I write songs when I'm low. I write songs when I'm stoned. I write songs when I'm sober. That is what that song does to me is that if you can go through life and live that Instagram or that IG life where everybody's happy, everybody's getting them, everybody's a a model, everybody's got the six pack of abs, everybody created the best meal, everybody went on the best vacation. That ain't real life. We struggle a lot. There is a lot of struggle in this life. And days like this, nights like this, meals like this, friends like this, it lets us know like, holy shit, this life is badass. There's and peaks it's of real. Guys. And it's real. You know it's real. Yes, Will you please play that and let Rocky and yes, Mike sir. hear that, please? This is Shine on Rainy Day. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of This Life Ain't for Everybody. Thank Brent you, Cobb, Sean, awesome thank you, brother trip, Ben. Man. Thank Love you. Brother. This goes out to Rocky Merlo and his family. This is Shine on Rainy Day. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for taking care of everything we do here. Brent Cobb, thank you, brother. Here we go. I've left strangers dust. Deals and dangers Searching for my own little peace From the countryside to the slick city streets And I miss my hometown Been high and low down Learned every which way of the game How some things do and some don't change It's safe to say I'm still crazy over you Your love gets me through When I'm stuck in life's crazy glue Ain't it funny how a little thunder Make a man start to wonder Should he swim or just go Ain't it funny how you learn to pray When your blue skies turn gray When there's nothing left to say Shine on rainy day
friend once told me, he said, boy, you sound so lonely, although cheating, leaving, done me wrongs, have ever heard of a happy song? Well, offended, I set down my glass, I smiled and let the moment pass, it tabs on me. If you think I'm lying, laughing ain't a pleasure till you know about crying. Ain't it funny how a little thunder make a man start to wonder? Should he swim or just go under? Ain't it funny how you learn to pray When your blue skies turn gray When there's nothing left to say Shine on rainy day Shine on rainy day Shine on rainy day. 